Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. You're tuned in to 98.3 The Vibe. This is The Image Show, and this is Robert Pate. And I've got some wonderful guests in the house this morning. We've even got the U.S. Senate candidate, Eddie Morrill. He's going to join us this morning. We've got some great things going on. Uh, we've got the atmosphere electrified right now. I've got one of Drake's former basketball players named Leonard Houston. And Leonard is in the studios with us this morning. We've also got Sonny Huss. And Sonny is a former uh, ex-offender who spent a lot of time in prison. Uh, He has been on the show uh, talking about a lot of statistics. And so we're going to have a wonderful show this morning. Uh, but we're going to start off uh, with you, Leonard Houston. Let's just... What's up, uh, what's up? Hey, tell us a little <laughs> bit about yourself, man. You're not a stranger to any of this. No, man, not at all, not at all. I've uh, been in the spotlight uh, virtually since I was in high school. So, you know, I played basketball and was a... Uh, so, so just take us back, first of all. Uh, where are you originally from? Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, so I'm from uh, w- the west side of Michigan. So usually uh, folks, they hold up their right hand. It looks like the state of Michigan. So I'm the, um, the left side of your palm right there on the water. Okay. So right in the middle, uh, west side of Michigan. I, I grew up in Holland, Michigan. Okay. I was born in Muskegon, Michigan, and I grew up in Holland, Michigan, um, not too far from where uh, Floyd Mayweather's from. Okay, so you, yep. you you move, well, you get recruited by the Drake Bulldogs. Yep, yep. Uh, to play for Drake. No and doubt. And you play for Drake. You guys, this is what year now? Uh, so I, I was there for four years, uh, 2004 to 2008. Okay, yeah. and during that time, you guys had a breakout season. You were ranked number 10 in the country. I remember that. All the time, yeah. Yeah, I was uh, <laughs> in my prison cell watching a lot of those games. And then uh, you were upset by Western Kentucky, was yep. it? Yeah, Courtney Lee in uh, Western Kentucky. So, And then, so, Leonard, you went on to play for the Iowa Energy, is that correct? Yeah, Nick Nurse, um, championship head coach. Uh, he's with Toronto Raptors right now and uh, uh, Drake, Drake Drizzy. <laughs> okay, yeah. And, you know, Nick yeah. Nurse is definitely representing. Uh, he's got an NBA championship coach's ring with no the Toronto Raptors. And yeah. Uh, also, yeah, that, that's wonderful, man. Uh, yeah. How was it playing for Nick Nurse? Uh, Nick was, you know, every, every coach is different. You know, they got their own style of play. But I tell you what, man, Nick, is he's a smart dude. He's a smart dude, great coach. Um, he definitely is um, on the same level with the players. Uh, he knows how to level with them and knows how to be personable uh, with the players. I mean, that's, that's what makes him uh, such a great coach. And, um, of, of course, if you look at his season last year, I mean, he, he obviously knows what he's talking about. We had a great team with Iowa Energy as well. Uh, we had a lot of NBA guys on our team. Um, I was young at the time, so I wasn't getting a lot of clock. You know, you come in, you know, you're all American basketball player, been on ESPN, like Sports Center top ten, um, so much. And then, you know, your next season, you playing pro, and you're not getting much playing time, much clock. So um, I had a lot of NBA players in front of me, and so I just didn't really take it uh, like I probably should have took it. Um, but I ended up getting a job and worked with. Uh, I did a management executive program with Hy-V uh, Corporation which, which is a good company. That's so. great. And, you know, you've also got a radio uh, 
a record company out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right now, I mean, we definitely got some fire uh, going right now. Um, it's called Gold Circulation Records. You know, I've been in the media for the media business about 10 years. Um, uh, we ran um, the sales and circulation for Gannett and a lot of his publications like Des Moines Register, Iowa City Press Citizen, uh, Sioux Falls, Argus Leader. We work with the Dubuque um, Telegraph Herald, so they know who I am for sure, for sure. Um, and, you even and, got uh, one of those singles. We want to play one of those. Yeah, uh, man. We got yeah. We we, we definitely gonna link. We gonna uh, leak one today. I really didn't want to leak it. It's called uh, Unique Fashion, and okay. uh, this this joint go hard. The whole city is just rocking with it. Sweezy, uh, could he email that to you, and we let the the listeners out there hear his uh, new single that's coming out. Absolutely, let's do yeah. it. All right. Yeah, that's great. Okay. Uh, and. Um, so, let me ask you. So, you finish with Drake. You finish with uh, yeah, the Iowa Energy. Yeah. And so, you start your own uh, music company, For entertainment sure. industry. And so, yeah. now, let me ask, what do you think about what's going on right now? We're, we're in a tragedy, uh, uh-huh. you know, somewhat, they say, uh, in our country as far, well, in our world, yeah. uh, with the coronavirus do you believe that this stuff is uh, that really that people are over exaggerating, uh, or do you feel? I mean, as far as like buying the toilet paper up and stuff like that, <laughs> or um, <laughs> I mean, what's your take on Man, um, I mean, you can look at a lot of different examples. I know a lot of people always bring up the Y two K example. When uh, year 2000, everyone thought the world was going to end. So everyone started taping up their windows and buying up all kind of stuff. Um, I'm not saying it's the same kind of deal, but I mean, it just shows you like the human behavior, like what happens when there's like a big, um, you know, tragedy or or an uncertain event Uh, with the coronavirus. To me personally, I think is like just a, 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 a bird flu that we just haven't found a, a vaccine for. So I think it scares a lot of people because there's no vaccine for it. Right. Now, we got Sonny Huss with us also in the house right 100. now, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Sonny, is, he, he brings the power when it comes to statistics and uh, sticking up for uh, ex-offenders and things like that. He uh, was convicted of uh, second-degree murder and, well, actually, it's first-degree murder, I'm sorry, and well, was found uh, not guilty by reason of insanity, and, you know, he's really been on top of uh, changing his life and trying to uh, better his community. He's helped the image uh, show in many of different ways with statistics. So, Sonny, what's your, t- first of all, welcome, we welcome you back on the show this morning. Thank you, Robert. Nice to be here. And can you tell us, what's your take on, on all this stuff? Well, I think it's a little more serious than people realize at this time. 120 nations are affected by this disease right now. And I, from what I can see, it's, it has a kill rate about 3 to 7%. You know, the average flu year, they, uh, you have 20 to 30,000 just die of the regular flu. And I don't think there's been enough testing in this country. Uh, that's why I've heard some people say, well, I feel okay. I don't know anybody that's sick. But they have to realize that you can carry this up to two weeks without any symptoms. So I think before it gets any better, it may get worse. Okay. Well, we want to encourage you all uh, 
to, you know, of course, take precaution. And, you know, of course, my advice that I'm going to give you, and I'm going to give you some real advice, is to cling to the Bible, read your scriptures, and, uh, you know, really try to apply a lot of uh, the scriptures to your life. Because I think that uh, right now, you know, it kind of brings people a lot closer to the Lord. So, uh, and I hope I don't get in trouble for, you know, going too far into that. But uh, at any rate, uh, God is good all the time. Amen. Amen. All right. Sonny, so you were talking a lot about the 13th Amendment, and uh, you had did some studying on the 13th Amendment. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Robert Pate. You're tuned in to The Image Show on 98.3 The Vibe. We're going to go to a quick commercial. When we come back, we're going to speak with Sonny and Leonard, since we have them both here. But they're going to break down, well, Sonny's going to break down the 13th Amendment. Amendment. He's going to talk about Constitution. He's going to talk about uh, slavery a little bit and some different statistics that we were able to dig up and find out that are very, very interesting. Don't you change that dial. You're tuned into the Image Show. We'll be back after these messages. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen, on The Image Show. You're tuned in to 98.3 The Vibe. We've had some great topics Uh So we're talking about now the 13th Amendment. Sonny, Huss, break it down for us. Well, I think I'd just like to start. It's only 43 words, and I'll just quote it so we're all on the same page. And it's the 13th Amendment, Section 1. Neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, except as punishment for crime, whereof the party shall have been duly convicted, shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. Section 2. Congress shall have power to enforce this article by appropriate legislation. 43 words has caused much havoc in the United States of America. And, you know, before you go into that, you talk about havoc. Ladies and gentlemen, I just want to let you know that the Evelyn K. Davis Center for Working Families is closed until April 13th. You can go to the website. We are referring that everyone, please go to the website and find out any information that you are needing as it pertains to the Evelyn K. Davis Center for Working Families and the services uh, there. So, uh, Sonny, go ahead. Well, I just, you know, after reading that, it begs the question, why was it necessary to include language in the amendment which maintained involuntary servitude within the prison system? That's a logical question. And any answer to this question must begin with the explanation that slavery is an economic system. It is a mode and relationship of production, just like feudalism, just like capitalism. And so during the Reconstruction era of 1865 to 1875, both poor and black prisoners were sold as forced laborers to coal mines, lumber camps, brickyards, railroads, quarries, farm plantations. I think the point I'd like to stress is that racism comes from slavery. Racism did not cause slavery. The white power structure uses racism to support its economic system. And so we get sucked into a tube. This is all economics. But they like to pit each other with identity politics. They like to pit the workers, the wage earners, with not, not that these issues aren't important, 
race, uh, religion, sexual orientation, or gender. Those are important issues. But they use that, especially the Democratic Party, uses that as wedge issues to keep us off the main subject, which is wages. We all work. We all make wages, don't matter what color you are. Leonard, well, what do you think when you hear something like this? I mean, I've already been knowing that. Uh, it's, uh, it, it's funny, man. Um, <laughs> I've always, you know, I, w- I was good at math. I didn't really have a lot of folks kind of uh, telling me what to do, per se, like as far as like parents growing up. But, you know, I have a lot of like life lessons and you can kind of look at things and kind of look at the paradigm of how uh, life in America kind of is. I mean, when you look at the average black person, black male, one in three black people will go to prison in their lifetime. So when I was in elementary school, I just remember uh, teachers, they'll say, hey, look, look at the person next to you and look at the other person next to you. One of them will be in prison. Um, so uh, looking at the history and looking at this country, I mean, it, it's I mean, there's no there's no coincidence. Um, they, they made they turned plantations into penitentiaries for black people, black Americans to pay penitence. And that was for um, statesmen to keep them on plantations as free laborers. So That's right. um, uh, white people, they didn't they want the church to pay their penitence. They didn't go to penitentiaries. That, that was only built for black people. So when you look at penitentiaries and it's 80 percent full of just black individuals, but um, this it's only 13 percent of the country or less is black. Um, I mean, there's no question that it was it was built for black people. So um, now it's 2020. And I think we're at a cross world roads where everyone's kind of looking at each other like, yo, what the hell's going on? Um, so. Um, I mean, I've already been knowing that. I would make one caveat. Before 1820 especially, uh, a lot of indentured servants came over, especially from the 16th, 17th centuries. They came over from Ireland. They came over from a lot of places. And they came over as indentured servants, and they came over to work also Mm -hmm. more or less as slaves. The difference is they could work their slavery off, so to speak, after so many years. Mm-hmm. And they weren't even considered, quote, white in the power yeah, structure. That was pre-slavery, yeah. Sure. Yeah. And they wasn't even considered white. It had to do with the power structure, the economic system. You're correct. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's... And like you mentioned, too, you mentioned that how many black folks are locked up. We only have 5% of the world's population. And the United States of America has 25% of the world's population. Now, this, the next statistic is just staggering. 25% of the world's prisoners. Yeah. Prison population, correct. <laughs> correct. <laughs> <It's> crazy. <laughs> one in nine African Americans in this country, or excuse me, one in nine of the world population of incarceration is African Americans in this country. One ninth. Now, that is a crazy statistic. Yeah. We would like to make a public announcement. On behalf of The Image Show, we have U.S. Senate candidate Eddie Morrow, who has just uh, walked inside The Image Show. And so, uh, Sonny Huss and Leonard Houston, he is here now able to address some of these issues and uh, listen to some of the things that you're saying. Uh, we do have a record, so he'll be able to hear uh, you know, the recording uh, prior to what you said uh, before he came in. But this gives you 
equal opportunity now to speak. So uh, go right into your uh, situation and what you were talking about and kind of brief us on uh, a little overview of, of what it is, the point that we're getting at this morning. Well, as was mentioned, that there was private prisons in the United States, especially Washington, D.C., before the Civil War. And if you look at the rise of private prisons today, it's exponentially risen, 45% since the year 2000, I think. Now, Iowa isn't a private prison system per se. However, it does function in form as a private prison. For example, the prison industries in Iowa, millions of dollars a year are made. Uh, number two, they contract all their medical system out. Millions of dollars are made by that. Phone services, oh my goodness. Private contractors in the prison system make extraordinary amounts of profit. When I was in Fort Madison in the 80s, prisoners worked for the, quote, tourist industry. Oh my goodness, what a racket. And so people would call in all over the United States and the prisoners would sit there and get paid, I don't know, 35, 50 cents an hour and make these corporations millions of dollars. And in fact, as we sit here today at most minimum security camps, inmate leasing to the surrounding community is in vogue, 90 going north. So I guess, I mean, my point is this is an economic system. It's an economic structure and the system, the you know, the political elite have their ways of doing things. And if, if you can't make money, if there's joblessness, if there's mental illness, whatever's going on on the streets, if you can't make money for society on the streets, they have a place for you to make some money. Now, ladies and gentlemen, last week we talked about domestic violence as it relates to men. And so we have Eddie Morrow, U.S. Senate candidate with us uh, this morning on The Image Show. And uh, right now uh, he is just listening. And so uh, we have uh, Mike James is another uh, individual who has been victimized by the domestic violence as it relates to men. And what we're talking about is basically when uh, a male goes to jail because of a female calling the police and fabricating information saying that she hit him when in fact he really didn't hit her. It was a bold-faced lie and he just wanted to send her, uh, or he, she just wanted to send him to jail. So we've got Mike James with us this morning. Mike, it's a pleasure to have you on the Image Show. It's a pleasure to be here. And could you tell us, Mike, a little bit about your experience as it relates to being victimized yes. by, by a domestic call? Yes, well, um, there was a case with um, me and my children's mother where we had a disagreement and she was able to she was able to fabricate some information and get a, a harassment charge put on me along with a restraining order. But with her restraining order, she's allowed to harass me. I, I, it's crazy how in these situations um, a person can claim that they're in such danger being around a person, but then they can openly come to an individual's house and violate their space and have no consequences about it. 
Right. And we've also talked about uh, a lot of other people who are sitting in the Polk County Jail right now uh, and who are probably uh, have already been convicted and sent to prison. Uh, They may be in Newton, uh, CRC, ready to be released now. But at any rate, and then there could be some women that could have been victimized in in a vice versa way. So uh, the majority of of this, uh, you know, is women calling. Uh, but it, it could still go both ways. Now, so we're talking about women who are calling the police, making up lies on domestic abuse calls. And the individual suffers dearly, especially if that person is on parole or probation or maybe has had a job. You know, it, it just automatically allows someone to misguide uh, the legal system into saying something that's false and a person uh, go to jail. I mean, I think that that's, that's pretty strict and, really you know, that's, that's pretty harsh, especially when you get people that are abusing it. It's crazy. What was told to me, what was told to me today in court just kind of blew my mind. The fact that the judge looked me in my face and told me that I had to accept her pulling up to my house and if she was to pull up to my house, I need to just stay inside. So it's like I have to be a prisoner of my own in my own home because because she has this restraining order on me. And well, and she could have a restraining order on you simply with you not even being aware of that. Is that correct? Correct. Okay, so you know they don't notify you and they just take your word for it that the person has violated a, a restraining uh, order or yeah. And and I witnessed firsthand when um. I was able to I was able to obtain a protective order against her for a short amount of time in which she violated. Okay. Now, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I just want to make an announcement. We do have Eddie Morrow, a U.S. Senate candidate, is in the House right now uh, on the Image Show. And we give U.S. Senate candidate a great deal of respect, you know, uh, being passionate about his job, coming out and being able to listen to the people talk about these kind of issues. I, I think that that's extremely important. Mike, as you talk about domestic uh abuse and you've got your kid one of your sons in the studios this morning with us correct and i know that you've been a father who has raised his kids Uh, you've played a big part in your kids life so uh, what is your son's name uh his name is also michael 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 jr michael james he's not a junior but okay michael could could you please step up to the mic and just tell us a little bit uh, about your father and, uh, you know, how does it feel to have a father who was actually there in your life that you can say has raised you as an African-American dad? It's good. Like, he gives me a bunch of pointers about life and stuff. And, like, if I came to a problem, he'll help me out with ways to get around it and get past it. And, um, I don't know. I mean, a lot of people can't say that they had dad. So me having minds. And showing me like what I'm supposed to do, it helps a lot in life. 
We thank you guys for being on The Image Show. And uh, right now, we're going to go to a quick commercial. When we come back, we're going to speak with Eddie Morrow, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, him and Sonny uh, will both kind of talk a little bit about uh, prison, talk about prison reform, and just talk a little bit about Eddie Morrow and what's going on and, and, and his plans. So we invite you definitely, don't you change that dial. If you do, you'll, be, you'll, you'll regret it. So... Uh, <laughs> We're going to go to a commercial, and we'll be back after these messages. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen, on The Image Show. You're tuned in to nothing but reality. And we've got Eddie Morrow with us, U.S. Senate candidate. Mr. Morrow, it's a pleasure to have you in the house on The Image Show. Thanks for having me, Bobby. Great to be here. Now, while everyone is in an uproar and a crisis right now, and they're buying up all the toilet tissue and closing down everything, uh, we just kind of are, first of all, we're glad that you're able to come on the show, but we wanted to hear your take on this. Well, obviously, we got a, a remarkable uh, national and world challenge in front of us today, um, and, and one that we all need to do our part in, whether that's uh, how we're protecting ourselves from uh, um, uh, by being socially responsible, by um, having social distancing, physical distancing, and protecting each other um, from ourselves and each other. Um, I have friends that work in the healthcare industry. Uh, my daughter's a nurse. I'm worried about uh, her t- touching patients on a regular basis. I got a, a cousin who's a nurse who did contract COVID-19 already, um, and it's, uh, you know, been a whirlwind for her. We need to make sure that we're taking this very seriously. We need to all be doing our, our role. We need to call on, the, on on our state and federal government as well to really step up their game, um, to come together, uh, to battle in, in, a, in a time of national crisis, to, to, to rise up to the challenge, much like we did during the Great Depression, during World War II. Um, we need to make sure that nobody's left behind, Bobby, which is my biggest concern right now. Is it a lot of people out there that um, are looking for a leader and we're lacking that? A lot of people that are looking um, uh, to, uh, to make sure that the, their health and welfare, both mental and physical, are met, that their economic health and welfare, or the economic health and welfare are met as well. And we need real leaders to touch both of those things. Um, I'm concerned uh, right now that we're not testing enough people um, in our state around this country. Um, and there's folks out there um, in our communities, and I, and I want to say especially communities of color, um, that aren't where to go right now and aren't sure that uh, um, when they want to get tested, they can be tested. Um, and there's so some conversations right now about how all the NBA players get tested, how's all the politicians being tested. And, and, and we need to talk about that because they're out traveling. So we do want to at least acknowledge there's a reason for that. But we want to make sure that the, the privileged folks aren't getting tested and folks uh, um, that aren't privileged um, uh, um, don't have the same means to, to get the testing they need. Sure. Now, Sonny Huss, uh, you're still in the studios with us this morning, and I- I'm glad that you are. Uh, what is your take on uh, what, the, you know, kind of what's going on and what the U.S. Senate uh, candidate has just expressed? Well, Eddie is exactly right. Wall Street doesn't have any problem giving $1.5 trillion for some influx that they lost in 24 hours. And the people, like Eddie's mentioned, the people, the down and outers, the homeless, the hungry, the orphans, the widows, and the poor, they need attention. It's a public health crisis. So how, whatever your affiliation, whatever your politics, if you don't take care of these folks, it's going to affect you one way or the other. 
Well, it's good to see that uh, we have everyone agreeing on the same page. You know, one good thing that I like about Eddie Morrow is, uh, you know, I've had the opportunity. He's well, he's given me the opportunity to be able to sit in front of different crowds and he's actually has to hear not only the good, but the bad. So, you know, he has to sit there and endure the humility. And I think to myself, man, that is a perfect practice of enduring the humility. I remember when we were out in Los Angeles and we had some of those ex-offenders was expressing, you know, their feeling. And it was opposite of, you know, some of the different things that we said and talked about. And, you know, of course, uh, they would come to you and they would say, hey, you know, this is the way we do it. And if you don't like this, blase skippity. And, you know, you had to sit there and listen and agree. And so, <laughs> uh, Mr. Morrow, you did a great job of enduring that humility. Does that just kind of come with the job? It, it comes with my, my, my upbringing, Bobby, and it comes with a lot of us, uh, our upbringings. It doesn't necessarily come with public servants today or pro- professional politicians um, who don't always want to listen to people who don't agree with them, who don't want to listen to pushback. Um, but that is a job to come in a, into rooms and hear from folks, hear about their challenges, um, uh, hear with people that don't necessarily agree with you, um, to be able to take that in and, and, and make sure you listen and understand folks, um, whether you agree with them or not, um, and make sure that, that you really hear them, which is something that, that I've been out uh, working hard to do um, during this, this process. So it's not enough that, um, that I got these ideas, um, but that, that, I, that I hear you, that I see you, that I understand you, and I want to go be your advocate. Um, and sometimes when we don't agree, we'll figure out how we're going to work together, whether we're going to talk about, like Sonny was just a minute ago, how, how, how do we um, reduce the mass incarceration that we have going on in this country today? How do we, how do we reduce the, the school, the prison pipeline that's been going on for way too long? Um, we have lots of challenges out there. Um, right now, the COVID-19 has jumped to the forefront of all of them, um, and we're going to go meet that challenge. But then shortly after, we go back to, again, talking about um, what's going on um, in, in, in our communities of inequality when it comes to criminal justice, when it comes to education, when it comes to economic security for, for, for all of our um, uh, American brothers and sisters. Sure. And so, Sonny, let me come back over to you. Uh, first of all, I, I want to back up just a little bit. Now, uh, Eddie Morrow, when you walked in, you were able to hear a little bit about some of the issues that we're having here in Polk County uh, with the domestic violence abuse as it relates to men. You know, we, we know that we have to protect uh, domestic violence against men or women. But what we're running into now is uh People calling the police, fabricating information about a domestic that never occurred. That person then goes to jail, ultimately may go to prison, uh, loses a whole lot. Has There's a lot at risk there. And you have people that are playing with that, pred- predominantly females, statistically speaking, more females. So, and, and that's, uh, you know, I, I heard part of that segment. And that's unfortunate that, that, that uh, Mike has experienced that. Um, and, and I don't know if about all the inc- all the facts surrounding that to, to really comment a lot. Um, we would only hope that, uh, that that women would not falsely accuse men of that. But Bobby, I got to be honest. We also got to talk about uh, uh, about husbands and, and fathers stepping up um, for their families, um, and why there are some instances maybe of someone being accused unjustly. And, and, um, and Michael might be one of those folks. Um, we have two instances of of, of men um, and and, and uh, um, abandoning their families or, or or being part of domestic violence. And and we need to talk about um, some of the systematic um, policies and uh, um, prescriptions that have caused 
cost some of that. Some of that is education. Some of that is economic security. Some of that is um, uh, is, is mental health um, capability. Some of it's affordable housing. They're all things that we can be doing that are forward thinking that would allow us to reduce the amount of domestic violence we have in our communities. That might also reduce the amount of, um, of, of women that might um, uh, unjustly accuse somebody um, wrongly um, about domestic violence to, 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 to break up families. Um, there, there are things we should be doing at the state and federal level to make that happen. Um, and then on both sides of the equation. So I don't want to minimize what Mike's story was, but we also better make sure we're talking a lot about women out there um, that are struggling, that, that, that are victims of domestic violence. That's been meaningful um, uh, in our communities um, uh, and, and make sure we, we, um, you know, that we're prepared to, to, to stand with women as well. That's great. Sonny, what is your take? So, ladies and gentlemen, we want to thank you all for tuning in, first of all, to The Image Show. Uh, very, very grateful for that. Right now, uh, we've got more and more viewers who are listening and tuned in to The Image Show because of this crisis. You have more people listening to radio. And wanted to real quickly uh, ask Sonny, we had some difficulties there the first time, but Sonny, uh, what was your take on this? Well, I just would like to comment on something Eddie said previously about the timely situation of this coronavirus. And he was speaking about the necessity for folks to come together and deal with it as his family members were involved, like all of ours are. If you look around Des Moines, it's like a ghost town. No workers in the hotels, no workers in the restaurants, no workers are they're being laid off to go uh, to work at home. OK, people need money now. Wall Street doesn't need money now. We can get to Wall Street. Wall Street's had plenty of time for their money. It's time for the workers now. This disease has struck 140 countries, and it doesn't seem that this country's government was very prepared. As Eddie also mentioned, the testing. We should have been testing this a long time ago. We knew this was coming three or four months ago. It just shows the the callousness of the ruling elites at this particular time to subject the workers of this country and not give them money. Majority of workers in this country, they don't have pay to sick pay or vacation time. They're at the lower end. They're at the lower end of the of the employment chain. And this is a serious issue, and it needs to be dealt with now. U.S. Senate candidate, Eddie Morrill. Hey, and, and Sonny's right. Um, for me, it's it's it, it, you know we're in the midst of a of a massive game going on, and I don't want to look back to the, to the earlier quarters because we did make some mistakes, Sonny. We're gonna have to go talk about them pretty soon. We were gonna talk about what's going on in the field of play right now, what's going on tomorrow, and he br- he brought up some good points. Um, we were gonna talk about what we're doing meaningfully for hardworking and uh, um, uh, Americans, um, uh, single mothers who are at home. Folks that have lost their job, um, uh, folks that were, were, were wait staff and, and cleaning staff and working in all kinds of industries. We better talk about rent relief and, and, and very quickly. We better talk about mortgage um, forgiveness plans uh, very quickly. Uh, we better talk about how we help people uh, connect with their banks and their landlords and other vendors Amen. so that they so they can weather this storm together. And the government, uh, both at the state and federal level, is going to have to step up and help. Um, but we need to make sure we we rest assure people that we are going to try to stand along with them and walk along with them through this process. And right here, what you have in front of you is a voice that wants to wants to be with you and, and go out and fight with you. Um, right now, I'm in a process as a candidate 
But even during this process, we're out there speaking up and speaking out um, uh, and being a voice for people out there. So keep following us and, uh, uh, and rooting for us uh, and, and working together through this process. Ladies and gentlemen, you're tuned in to The Image Show on 98.3 The Vibe. This is Robert Pate. We've got Eddie Morrow. We've got Sonny Huss. We had Mike James. And we also had Leonard Houston in the house with us this morning. Uh, we are breaking it down, giving you the reality of what's going on. We ask you not to change that dial. We'll be back after these messages. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen, on The Image Show. We've got U.S. Senate candidate Eddie Morrow in the house with us this morning. Well, this has been really good. We're about ready to wrap up the show. But before we do, uh, Eddie, we want you to lay down some power to all the listeners out there right now and just kind of tell them the real so I'm out to telling listeners, and if you go follow us as well and look at some of the things we're doing virtually today, we're out challenging at the state and federal level for our government to step up. Um, we need to make sure we're, we're out there advocating boldly and fearlessly um, uh, and without regard to our own political um, futures to stand up for hardworking Americans and hardworking Iowans and vulnerable peoples in particular. Um, and we need to make sure we're working this from the ground up to make sure we're getting the adequate testing that we're out protecting um, our our emergency responders, our healthcare professionals right now who are out on the street um, without the proper protection gear. We need to make sure we're talking about what kind of economic um, uh, incentives and, and policies we can have to help vulnerable families right now during this crisis. Um, there's so much we need to be doing. We need to have real leadership today. Um, it's no time for us to cower into politics of old. We need a new playbook. We need a new game plan. And it needs to be executed today. So thanks for asking, Robert. I'm glad to be here today. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, we want to thank you for tuning in to the Image Show this morning. Uh, we've had wonderful guests come in here in the midst of a crisis. We want to thank you all. We want to wish you a happy and blessed week. And once again, you've heard another wonderful episode of the Image Show.